because it helps like backdoor play helps prostate health really because huh. you <laughs> so it's basically like the male g-spot so if you go basically in and up, that's where the prostate is. And massaging that helps release any fluid that gets stuck in there or anything. So it can help reduce risks of prostate cancer. I did not know this. So like, get my glove. Oh my God. Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable getting uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about health and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is season two, episode 22. We just finished a very sweaty workout, so we are actually still sweating into our eyeballs right now. I have sweat dripping down my back into my crack. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. I did. Well, yeah, since I didn't want to know, but, but yes, we, well, we also, um, we did something that we never do last night. Are you ready? We stayed out past nine. I know. We came <laughs> home and it was like 10 o'clock on the nose. I'm like, I am a party animal, right? I am so wild. <laughs> felt so wild. <laughs> I said, I sent Julianne a picture of me drinking coffee, being like, this is how you pre-funk after 40. And I did too. <laughs> I had coffee like five o'clock. Like, I mean, yeah. Yes. Always. Yeah. If it you're partying, coffee at five. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Yes. So we, we attended an outdoor um, birthday party last night to celebrate one of our friends. Mm-hmm. And there was plenty of space to social distance, but still connect with people. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's kind of funny because when, when Cara texted me, She's like, it's party day. And I replied with like, it's social anxiety day. (laughs) Very different. Yes. Yes. But but I I had fun. Yeah. I kind of still feel like I'm on like an oxytocin high. Yeah. There's a lot of love. There was a lot of love there. It was really fun. There was, so the whole idea of the party, besides it just being a surprise birthday party was to do all of the shit that you loved to do as a kid that would be just a little bit more fun drunk. Uh-huh. So there was- That sounds wonderful. Right? <laughs> so there was this straight up, there was a slip and slide. There was a bouncy house. We had like an outdoor like fire pit going. There was all of the snacks. Like, yeah, any snack, like, and it did. It was like reminiscent of slumber night parties when oh. I was a kid. Like chips, yeah. starbursts. Oreos. Oreos. Like- <laughs> It was all, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Sometimes it's nice to just kind of 
take a break from the normal stuff and, mm-hmm. and just have fun. So yeah. that was pretty cool. We got out there. We socialized. We got, but yes, we did. I went socializing for yeah. London. Check. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. I did it. I did it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so you probably hear a third voice with us today and we do have a guest on. Very special guest. Very special guest. Yes. yes. Introduce our guest. Yes. So on the show today is one of my favorite people, Megan Thurston. Woo. She is a sex and intimacy coach. She is also my Tuesday afternoon workout partner lately. We've been um, training on Tuesday afternoons together for squats for social justice. Mm-hmm. So she's been, she's been doing some pretty yeah. good squats. And then we usually film some kind of inappropriate butt video. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I saw the barbell one. That was guaranteed. Right. <laughs> as well as twerking like halfway through the workout. Right. Twerking is, is a good warm up. It is. It really relaxes the muscles. <laughs> yeah, it does. So, yeah. So I'm very excited to talk to her. Um, about her experience growing up, but also how she got into the line of work she does and um, really fascinated about all of the crossover between purity culture Mm -hmm. and diet culture. So we are in for a kind of a fun conversation today. Yes. Yeah. So Megan, tell us about um, who you are, where you grew up and what you do. Yeah. So I'm Megan. I Grew up in Oregon, born and raised. I lived in Silverton until I was out of high school, basically. Moved to Portland, and then I moved to Germany after becoming a preschool teacher um, and did not want to work in our school systems coming back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I found out that my friend who was a teacher in Germany made $50,000 starting out of college. Um, wow. And then, so when I moved back, I just applied everywhere, got hired at a sex shop boutique in town and fell in love with the sex industry and like the openness and the environment. Um, mm-hmm. Then pandemic hits and I was working retail. So right. yeah, like second career crisis, like, oh crap. I really like what I'm doing. How do I do this without sales, essentially? Right. Um, And so I started becoming a sex educator, and then I found sex coaching and intimacy coaching, and that's where I really found my passion, dug in, and like Mm -hmm. completely rebranded my travel blog that I started when I was in Germany, and then um, in June of 2021, I quit my retail job, so... No, Good for you. Coach. Yay. That's amazing. Um, tell us, let's go a little deeper. Tell us about your relationship with your body growing up. Yeah. So I grew up very conservative Christian and I was always told that my body needed to be covered and that it wasn't something to be seen. And so I felt a lot of shame around my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that my body wasn't good enough to be seen. I wasn't comfortable with my body at all, um, which is really damaging as a <laughs> teenage girl. Like right. not feeling comfortable in your body, which is your main home, essentially. Exactly. Um, and so after moving to Portland, I kind of veered away from conservative Christianity, joined a non-denominational church, 
um, before I completely left Christianity and really started to dig into like why I wasn't happy with certain things and like Mm -hmm. finding the roots to be like oh well I don't like clothes shopping why do I not like this Mm -hmm. because I didn't like my body and so nothing I tried on I liked because I didn't like what was under the clothes Uh Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't like who I was in the body because I was told not to yeah Mm -hmm. um and so that's really when I started being like no I shouldn't feel this way about myself like I'm the only person I'm gonna have through life like this is not gonna work if this continues and so that's when I really dove into like that's when I really tried to dive into like diet culture the first time was in my like 18 19 where I'm like oh well if I lose a bunch of weight and get skinny I'll love my body Right, right. How'd that work? <laughs> Didn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work at all. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I was blessed with a very large hip and butt area. So that went nowhere. No matter how many yeah. exercises I did, like even avoiding doing leg day and things because I thought it was going to make it bigger. Yeah. Nothing worked. And I was like, okay, well, obviously that's not the path. And I was like, well, then I need to start to try and love my body at where it is. Because mm-hmm. then if it changes, I'll be happy about the changes, but I don't expect them to bring me happiness mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. I find that that is one of the hardest things for oh, yeah. people it's to come to grips constant with. journey. And I, I feel like even though like I know intellectually, I know that diets don't work. I know that the more I try, the more likely I am to actually gain weight. Like I know all that stuff, but yet there are still moments where I will look at myself and be like, oh God, that doesn't look like me. Or I don't, you know, or like just having, having times when I still don't accept my body just how it is. Mm -hmm. And I actually have to like, what I'm doing now is I take the time to let myself like think all the way through it yeah like what are the where are these beliefs coming from are they true right and but it's a process and a lot of people and it's a constant journey and just like anything else with life like you are constantly going to have feelings that don't feel like your feelings Mm -hmm. and you don't know why but oftentimes it's something from your past that makes you feel that specific way about it yeah like my mom yeah, <laughs> loving mom. But we got just <laughs> just in general, like being told, like if you ever tried out for cheer team it or ballet, and you were told you were too fat or needed to lose weight, like those little things come back and sprout up in different ways. Mm-hmm. It's like when you rinse chia seeds down your drain, and then you like, have you ever gone on vacation after you like rinsed out a couple of chia seeds in it? No. Yeah, I had chia seeds in there, like chia sprouts in my garbage disposal coming back from vacation once. <laughs> I was just like, where, why is my, why is this growing? I was like, oh wait, chia seeds sprout, like mm-hmm. that, that makes sense. So you right. have to like really, like, so I don't rinse chia seeds down my drain anymore. Yeah. Because I don't want them to sprout. And so right. getting rid of feelings and thoughts that aren't inherently true to who you are and what you want for your life yeah like rinsing those out of your life is hard but it mm-hmm. benefits you a lot in the long run. yes yeah I'm really curious to know more about like so I know that there's a struggle when you're kind of transitioning out of um conservative Christianity and yeah. like trying to find like um 
how you, how you actually feel about your body and how you feel about your sexuality and all that stuff. Can you tell us more about that journey? Like, how did you battle like with moments of guilt, shame, et cetera, that you're used to feeling? Yeah, it was hard. Um, a lot of the time, just because you're like, I'm going to do this thing for myself. And then you get into the middle of it. And then like a wave of shame or guilt will just be like, you shouldn't be doing this. And you really, like, I really just had to sit down and be like, why are these my feelings? Why am I thinking this way? Why am I feeling shame about this? Is it because of it's how I actually feel? Or is it, it's because I've been told how to feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And really like processing and like writing down what emotions I'm feeling connected to what helped me because I'm like, okay, well, this is making me feel shame. Do I actually care about this thing? So for instance, sex, like, do I actually care? Like, do I actually inherently think sex and intimacy is shameful? Or is it because I was raised conservative Christian and that was meant to be shameful and only for your married partner, not for yourself. There was no Mm -hmm. self-pleasure ever talked about growing up. Like it was always to have kids and make your partner happy. Yeah, like that's all it was about. And so really being like, okay, is this because I was raised being told these things? Or was it because I actually felt like I didn't want that for my life? Mm -hmm. Which I really like, there are people I know who save themselves to marriage. I have no problem with that. It is what you want for your body. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't what I wanted for my body. And really dissecting it almost is like, why I was getting these feelings, where they were coming from, and if I actually believed what that feeling was telling me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is so interesting because what we were just talking about when it comes to like body image and diet culture, that process is the same. Like when I work with myself and with my clients through like the intuitive eating process, it, that is, that is a huge part of it. Like, yeah, like dissecting your feelings and thoughts about your own body and shame around it because it yeah. always boils back down to shame right yes. yeah like and and I think like for me because I my I didn't grow up super conservative Christian but my my mom is definitely mm-hmm. very Christian has a lot of a lot of ideas wrapped up around shame and the body and yeah. things like that yeah and um I just kind of got to a point where I was like I just can't believe any longer that right. pleasure is not made for me that like yep. just like that like you're not not made for you and you're not deserving of it right. I was too often told um because oftentimes in dirty culture much like diet culture mm-hmm. you strip the things that bring you pleasure yeah completely yeah. strip it down you are not supposed to find pleasure in anything but god or your diet essentially yeah <laughs> yeah and so like that was one of those things like when I started buying clothes that I liked versus what was modest or what wouldn't distract boys in high school or you know like what wouldn't distract the boys at church or if I was being too loud with my clothing was a thing so wearing bright colors all like I if I was wearing a bright color I had to wear a dull color like black or blue because if I was wearing too many bright colors, that would be trying to gain attention for myself yeah. and 
that yep. wasn't acceptable either I know this feeling I <laughs> my mind is blown right now yeah. I did not yep. know this was a thing because I like like I said I did not grow up super conservative Christian yeah this is a thing but, like you don't want to yep. draw any attention to yourself <laughs> whatsoever and I think I, I told this um, story on a recent episode uh, but when I was growing up um, my brother was into starter jackets you know how those were like super cool yeah. And he had a Georgetown starter jacket and I would like sneak it and like wear it. And my dad was like, you can't wear that because that's for bad girls. Like, you know, so like, but yes, with colors and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I have experienced that too. Yep. And then having wide hips, I always had to wear baggy pants. Like I could wear skinny jeans Mm -hmm. and there's because it dropped, it would draw too much attention to myself. Right. Yeah. So distracting the boys with right. skinny jeans. Oh no, my shoulder. <laughs> Are you aroused? <laughs> I mean, yes. But, <laughs> but I think there's something to that too, because like I think all of us um have had at least periods of time where we are very naturally curvy people and there is sort of a thing where like I had this idea that there was there were things that I couldn't or shouldn't wear that like I could wear if I was thinner because it wouldn't be so sexual like crop tops tops or low cut things because Mm -hmm. of my boobs or like don't show don't show the hips and stomach don't you know and and so it was like no midriff yeah basically show like anything basically neck yeah. down to mid-calf right yeah, make sure your like shorts a, are too short a, yeah. a, you know cold shoulder loose fitting top with uh some skull print on it or something like whatever kind of plus size right. bullshit they put yeah. <laughs> like, <Right>. whatever whatever <laughs> random clothes was like stretch <laughs> and then not adjust the image to the size of the clothing either because right. it would always either be like way too big or way too small yeah so it either looks like they just stretched the entire shirt or they just added fabric. Like, yep. yep. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I just had this flashback. Or it looks like a bed sheet was made into a dress. Right. Exactly. That still happens. Yeah. Like, Sometimes those are real comfortable though. Yeah. Right. I have a couple of them where I'm just like bed sheet dress to go to the grocery store when I forgot <laughs> coffee creamer. Let's go. <laughs> So, okay, so how long ago did you start feeling differently about your body? Um, like, was there, like, a specific really, turning point? Really right around 20 when I fully accepted and realized I didn't want children. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I started my long five-year fight for sterilization. Um, like, I really had to be in tune with my body as I was calling multiple gynecologists asking like hey is this something you can do I don't like kids and growing up conservative Christian abortion was never going to be an option so if I accidentally got pregnant like in my mind when I was 20 like that was not a decision I ever wanted to have to make and still like thankfully I've never had to make that decision yeah but it was never one I wanted to have to because I knew I didn't want children right and so I think really like accepting that fact about myself really helped me accept more about my body mm-hmm. um because you go to the doctor and they check you and you really have to know what you're okay with happening to your body what like 
what your body feels like. I also struggled with like ovarian cysts and things. And so mm -hmm. I asked, would ask about that. And they're like, oh, you're fine. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get like a cyst every three months. Like I'm not fine. <laughs> um, but because I was so young, no one cared really. Right. They're like, yeah. it'll, it'll work itself out. You're still going through puberty or something. Like I was told at 20, I was still going through puberty. <laughs> I'm like that's not true right, right. like I, I did that when I was like 16 like right. that's four years ago that's right. done um but yeah really like that's kind of the turning point when I was also starting to just walk away from Christianity in general yeah um because I no longer needed to have those modest feelings or shameful feelings about my body because mm -hmm. I didn't believe the things anymore that I was told about my body. Right. Right. Like you really were like, no, like the, the yeah. fact that you didn't want to have children. Because I was told growing up that I had to have children to be successful as a woman. Right. Like that uh, was your value. Yeah. Like being a mom was what was supposed to happen for mm -hmm. me. Um, as a woman in conservative Christianity, like you're supposed mm -hmm. to repopulate the earth essentially right. is what a lot of denominations right. believe and so now that I no longer believed a lot of what I was told then why did I still believe what I was told about my body at that mm -hmm. point um, so it was like a good slippery slope yeah it was like <laughs> yeah it was like one of those where like you slide down and then you like shoot back out and go yeah. up yeah. Um, cause like yeah. there was definitely a lot of emotions and anxiety during that time where I also accepted that I had anxiety right? <laughs> because it was just the devil speaking to you right? Well, in Christianity. Like you were, the devil's just speaking for you right now. Uh-huh. No, it's anxiety and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does it feel like to be told that? Like, I've never been told that. And when you said that, I like felt a little bit nauseous yeah oh it's like, very nauseating because you're nodding your head Jill like you know exactly what I do feels like I do yeah <laughs> it's it, well and that's like we're we've talked a lot about guilt and shame but the other um part of that is fear yeah. like using fear to control you yeah um and that was one of those ways that that would be presenting itself is you know you're having a spiritual battle with Satan right now and you, you have like, to fight the good fight and be strong through it. Right. Oh my right. God. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let's talk about fear. Cause like, I've heard a lot of analogies. Like when I've, I actually learned more about this kind of Christianity by following other sex therapists who are talking about purity culture and how uh -huh. damaging it is. And so a lot of the sex coaches and stuff I know and talk to frequently have also experienced some form of purity culture that was toxic to that. Right. And so like, and so I've heard these analogies, like, like if you're, it's always towards women, not towards the men, yeah. mm -hmm. but it's like, you know, if you have sex before marriage, it's like, you're a piece of chewing gum. And oh, I was the more you get chewed, the more you get chewed, the like, the more you lose your flavor. And then you're basically like worth nothing and spit out. We were basically like, given little <laughs> jars that had salt in them. Yeah. And we were told that those were supposed to go to our husband when we got married. And each time you had sex or kissed a boy, a little salt got taken out. And then when you got married, if you did things, you, and it was empty, you still had to give it to your partner when you got married. Yeah. Ew. 
the shock <laughs> silence from Kari. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I mean, because I, mean, I have felt traumatized by some of the things with my mom, just like with like shame about the body. Right. But this yeah. is like a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. Like this. It really, really strips away any individuality. Like right. everything you do is for God or your future husband a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is for you. Like if you're doing good things, it's because you're doing them for in God's name to get to heaven. Right. right. Like, or if you're not having premarital sex, it's to save yourself for your husband. It's not mm-hmm. to save yourself because you want to, and you want to keep that intimate part of yourself sacred. Mm-hmm. which you can if you have sex before marriage or you don't have sex before right. like you can keep that part sacred and be true to yourself but mm-hmm. conservative christianity really strips all of that away mm-hmm. and it's always for the higher person mm-hmm. right and the hierarchy of christianity is often husband wife and and, and even when you're not married or dating anyone you still have to follow that even though you may never get married what if you became a nun and never got married like right there's so many different options that don't involve marriage even in conservative religions mm-hmm. that just make it almost asinine to me that these are still things being taught right <laughs> right and like and there's not really any room in there for no. just pleasure nope because like because like i think about like this kind of sex i have now even even just with one person that there is like there's sometimes it's like there's an intimacy connection and then other times it's just like fucking it's fun it's yeah it's play it's like Mm -hmm. and like I don't see any room for that in this this scenario no Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm sorry that happened to you. I mean, it's terrible, but I would rather it happen to me than someone else. Like, well, and it sounds like you've used that experience to grow yes. and like kind of discover more who you are and yeah. you like with what you do now you're able to help so many people through yeah this. had I known about sex coaches when I was going through that I would have hired one right which is part of the reason I am one now yeah is because I want to be the person I needed when I was going through all of this yeah that is how that is how Jim and I got into our specialty too like we talk, said mm-hmm. all the time like and it, I know it's like it's fitness but like but still like we health to- is all forms of health sexual health mental health emotional health physical health like it all yes. has to coincide like I even talked to business coaches where they're like you wouldn't realize how many times that I have to tell my business clients to have sex to fix their business because like it's part of what makes you happy i'm, I'm it, listening yeah it releases I'm listening stress like there's so <laughs> many benefits to sexual release whether it's by yourself with a partner like right it's like are jill and i gonna have to have sex <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean only if you want to <laughs> tell me more <laughs> Right. Because the chemicals that are released during an orgasm or even mm-hmm. just intimacy help reduce your stress. They help you sleep better. They give you a clearer mind. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things that you wouldn't even think could affect your everyday to day life because mm-hmm. life gets busy. It's hard. Mm-hmm. But I, the amount of times I tell people to schedule sex in, I was like, I don't care mm-hmm. if it's a 10 minute quickie where you just hug each other. Mm-hmm. Like schedule intimate sexual and sexual time with your partner. Like they don't have to be two in the same, mm-hmm. but make sure you're getting both of them. Okay, so I have a question then. Um and <laughs> give me some free advice, please. <laughs> like so <laughs> so so like I find when I am stressed out, yeah, I don't feel sexy. Mm-hmm. I don't like I'm not, I'm I'm not like as interested in having sex when I'm stressed out, mm-hmm. even though like I intellectually, like I know yeah. that sex would make me feel better. Do you work out when you don't want to? Yes. Wow, she got you. I was hoping that it would be different. <laughs> there are ways to like get yourself in the mood, but honestly, like when you're trying to build those habits because eventually mm-hmm. it doesn't become a habit because your brain's right. like good chemicals release I like this thing which is why mm-hmm. uh people will be like oh like we started having sex like once a week and then it's just all the time now mm-hmm. because your brain's like oh this is a good feeling I like this let's do it that way mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like well and the thing is, is like when, when we're on like a good like yeah habit like when I when I'm stressed out I always tell myself I don't have time mm-hmm. you always like, have time and I'm yourself. like in reality <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that long no it can't be because it can be you know you can do the whole thing but like yeah, it, it could be, it could be five minutes it could be five minutes if you have a good toy it could be 30 seconds like <laughs> it just all depends on the equipment you're using <laughs> I'm listening. I, I like, swear I like by the womanizer. Thirty seconds done. The womanizer. Okay, yeah. 
We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to our discussion. Do you love the PUSH podcast? Support us by becoming a PUSH patron. As a PUSH patron, you will have exclusive access to our episodes, bonus materials, freebies, the ability to ask us questions, and more. Go to www.patreon.com slash pushfitness. That's www.patreon.com slash pushfitness now to get started. And now, back to the PUSH podcast. So a very long time ago, a dog chewed up my vibrator. I've never never replaced it. I was like, let me check my giveaway box. I literally have a box full of toys that I got like as free product from the sex shop or whatever that I just use for giveaways. That's also why I brought blue packets for you later. Thank you. I am in desperate need of a vibrator. (laughs) <laughs> I mean I mean I I like sex I even like my own my own self yeah but you know having a toy is kind of fun so it's a nice right. option it's it's always an option and like a lot of people think that toys with a partner take away from the partner you're just give. it's like having someone with a normal hand turned screwdriver versus giving them a power drill. It's going to get the same job done. One's just going to get done a lot quicker and it's going to be more fun to do. Let's be honest. And we can have multiple orgasms. So like, like it's not taking anything away. If I have an orgasm or two before we go like, (laughs) do some other stuff. Like I don't have a problem with that. Exactly. (laughs) Tell me me about, okay. Jill has the look now. I was like, I'm very, I'm very intrigued. So, okay. I've never, I've never had multiple orgasms. Is that something that you can like do, like build up to, or is yeah. that just something that you either have so, or don't have? So the easiest way I, do you get really sensitive after an orgasm? Yes. So I would give yourself a little bit of a cool down period before going straight back into play mm-hmm. because like, but you can also as you're a partner, mm-hmm. caress and kiss time. each other. <laughs> like, well, not even that you could just lay in each other's presence for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But basically, when you get back into it, it's often easier because you're already sensitive. Blood has already flown to that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's often easier. And that's also when a lot of people learn that they can squirt is after multiple orgasms. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, but isn't that okay? But also, squirting is not what you see in porn. So, any fluid dripping is considered squirt, and it's from a very specific gland that's inside where the urethra is, which is why everyone's like, Well, you're peeing. No, it's a I always forget the name of this gland, it's a very weird name, but it's a gland that's in that area that releases that secretion. So, if you're hydrated, you're more likely to do it. Also, if you overly drink water, that's when you get those porn style oh, gushes. See, I thought okay. that, that was always pee because like after a certain number of orgasms, your pelvic floor gets weak and then you don't have control. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> depending on the person, it could be pee, but right. oftentimes okay. it's not. Okay. Um, like I'm sure there are people who do that, but a lot of women are like, I'm going to pee. It's probably not. If you're okay. like about to have an orgasm, 
you're probably not peeing. Okay. Um, also, that's why I recommend peeing before and after sex. Mm-hmm. So if you pee before, you know your bladder is empty at that point. Right. So then you don't have that worry like, oh my God, am I going to pee? Mm-hmm. If that progresses to that point and then peeing after helps with UTIs. Mm-hmm. And right, right. Things. Okay. Um, but yeah. And then also when you're getting back in trying to have a second orgasm after the first, go lightly and make sure you're like massaging the outer labia, the inner labia, so that it's not just like sensitive, sensitive. Now there's more vibration or whatever happening Mm -hmm. because that can be overwhelming too. And I find that like, because I have had multiple orgasms or I do have that, that like the first one feels different than the second or third. There's like, so many that, different types of Right. Orgasms. Like I was like, cause like, I feel like if after the first one, if there's too much stimulation up front there, yep. then I'm like, whoa, no, like, like I need a break. But if there's, if it's like more like deep, I, yeah. I, it's a whole different, it's a yep. whole different thing. So like you can orgasm from just nipple play sometimes. Like there are women who orgasm and men or people who orgasm from just nipple stimulation sometimes. You can have just external, you can have internal and external, just mm-hmm. internal. You can have G-spot orgasms, which is really just the underside of your clitoris. Mm-hmm. Um, the clitoris is huge, by the way. Yeah, it, like, it is, you it is this way bigger. thing that kind of looks like it. So this would be like the tip so your thumb is the would tip be of like the... the head of the clitoris that shows and then it comes down and around the urethra and when you go in and up that's what you hit is that mm-hmm. v under the clitoris that's what i like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like that. that's where most <laughs> vagina owners find their orgasms from yeah, no. there's also talk about an A and U spot, which are on either side of the cervix. So depending on positioning, you can hit those, Uh which can also give you a different type of orgasm, which is why Uh some people really like deep penetration Uh in certain positions, because it's going to hit certain spots. Um, You can, if you are into backdoor play, you can also orgasm from that alone. Uh Um, So, okay. I've never, I've never been able to get into that. But I have heard from people who like it, like they, if you like it, you like love it. I mean, I've been working in a sex shop. I've seen all forms. Yeah. I've seen that people do it just like with people with prostate just do it for medical purposes um, because it helps like backdoor play helps prostate health. Really? Because huh. you, <laughs> so it's like basically like the male G-spot. So if you go basically in and up, that's where the prostate is. And massaging that helps release any fluid that gets stuck in there or anything. So it can help reduce risks of prostate cancer. I did not know this. So I get my glove. That's going to tell me. Right? be like, oh my God. Let's work on your prostate, babe. Right. But you can also do it externally. Um, so the perineum, so in between the testicles and mm-hmm. the back door. Uh-huh. The tent. Yep. If you massage that, that will also stimulate the prostate. So putting like oh, a really deep okay. vibrator if you don't want to do anything internal putting a really deep rumbly vibrator, not the high pitch, like like the really like rumbly ones that can help massage that as well. Perhaps a hyperbolt. I'm not (laughs) sharing it with you anymore. I'll tell you that. 
I would not, I've seen horror stories about those. <laughs> I'm not you, your muscle massage. It's <laughs> like, please, please don't. No, but I please feel like don't. I need to make a Also, if you're doing anything backdoor, make sure there is a face that is lighter than the toy. <laughs> it will get lost. <laughs> make sure there is a base to it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I'm learning an awful lot today. Right. <laughs> See, I'm learning about purity culture and we are both learning about backdoor play. Yeah. I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> um, so I think we talked about this a little bit, but like because you had such this powerful transformation, um, how does that affect your approach with your clients? Like, I think it helps me be almost like more graceful. Um, just because I know that like you could be going through some really heavy, dark things. And although I'm not a therapist, I don't help you heal your trauma. I still hear about it and I still mm-hmm. help you find ways to do things without doing that. So like mm-hmm. if there's certain things that trigger someone due to a trauma experience, I have to make sure that I'm not giving them activities that are going to trigger those experiences. Yeah. Um, and so just being really mindful of where clients are at and what they're going through and customizing or tweaking programs specifically for that Mm -hmm. is really important. Plus just giving them the grace to work through these things because Mm -hmm. you're often not giving grace to work on yourself, especially in purity culture, like working on yourself or like trying to be a better person just for yourself was like out of question mm-hmm. like you could work on being a better person for god like right. it all had to be in the name of god and so really <laughs> doing it for yourself and learning how to do it for yourself mm-hmm. um, was hard but i think it helps me help clients do it for themselves because now they're not doing it alone they have mm-hmm. someone else who's helping them work on being what their goals in sex are so whether it be a first orgasm, getting closer with physical intimacy that's separate from sex, self in love and embodiment, like any of those things, it's hard to do for yourself because you feel selfish. And even outside of purity culture, selfishness is so frowned upon. Oh my gosh. In yes. our society and oh, yeah. allowing your clients to be selfish or for you to be selfish for them, which it's honestly not selfish it's taking care of yourself let's be honest it is taking care of yourself and trying to be joyful in your own life with your own intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. and I feel like we should even just reclaim that word like instead of the word selfish oh I get told I'm selfish all the time for not wanting children like yeah yeah, deal with it like well I've had people be like well what are your parents gonna think I have a three and five-year-old little adopted sibling they don't need grandbabies like and it's no one's business about my own whether I have kids or not regardless of what my parents think well and how and like I think it's selfish because I know people who've had kids specifically so they have someone to take care of them when they're old like that's that's selfish right birthing a human and making them live in our society currently just so you have someone to take care of you when you're old 
but like that's selfish to me if you're just having a baby so you can be taken care of no I'll be the little old lady in the retirement home in my rocker telling my dirty ass stories <laughs> like, yes you'll be the fun aunt who teaches them how to get drunk and yeah. properly but safely like I will be that person for all of my friends children yeah but I don't need to have them myself right because yeah. I enjoy drinking my coffee hot and my wine silently right right <laughs> right that's a valid choice and right. I like so and I don't think it's often talked about that it's a valid choice oh yeah oh, yeah it totally is a valid choice and I think like um I, I want to hear more about your journey to get to where you like could choose sterilization because there's like so okay a few things yeah. we've talked about purity culture um and then with that is patriarchy right so like are you sure you want to not have children? Because I was told by are you over sure? 100 gynecologists over a five-year period. I obviously took breaks for mental health reasons when fighting for this, but there would be months where I'd just sit down and every day I'd call a new gynecologist to be like, hey, I'm looking for someone to sterilize me. Is this an option? And they'd be like, well, how old are you? I'm 20. Nope, you're too young. You don't know what you want. You might change your mind. Uh, which I think is bizarre. Because when I got sterilized in May, I had to sign a liability form saying that I could not sue the center, the doctors, or any staff that took part in my sterilization if I ever changed my mind. Wow. And so the fact that I was told no for so many years by so many people when I legally couldn't sue them, if I did change my mind, it was all because of their beliefs over my body that yep. I couldn't do it. Yep. Um, and so I think that almost made me turn away from Christianity more because 20 was right where it started to happen, mm-hmm. uh, like fully. And so like seeing that, I was like, oh, so your beliefs get to tell you what to do about my body now. Right. But I can't tell you how to run your life or do anything. Right. Because obviously that's not okay. <laughs> And so that was really hard. Um, And yeah, it took five years um, and it took two IUDs fully coming out on their own. And that gynecologist still refusing to tubal when the reason I was getting an IUD was to make it to 30. So some gynecologists would most likely give me a tubal at that point. Um, And then I had a cyst rupture and had to go see a surgeon to make sure that my ovary hadn't like contorted or anything. And that surgeon's the one who gave me my tubal. Jeez. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Like it was a fight and I had heavy periods. I tried multiple different types of birth control. I struggled with ovarian cysts. Like it was a struggle. And like every time, because I got an ablation with my tubal, um, every time I'd have a period until I got my ablation, I gained 10 pounds of bloating. So you can imagine what that does with body image. And oh my like, gosh. So like, I'd wake up one morning and be like, oh, I hate myself today. <laughs> like, but then I was like, I can't talk to myself like that. Yeah. Like that, that can't continue. Like I can't accept that I don't like how my body looks that day, mm-hmm. but then I'm going to force myself to do something that makes me like my body, force myself to do my hair, to do my makeup, to put on an outfit I love because that to me kind of balanced out the inner feelings that I 
feel sometimes from like purity culture because I know they're not my feelings. They're not the way I think about my body because my body is my body. I love it. I'm going to love it at every stage because it's getting me through life. It's gotten me through a whole ass pandemic mm-hmm. and two full career switches. Like, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, say it louder. Yes. So like my like so every morning instead of like looking at myself in the mirror and judging my body, I just look at my mirror and thank my body. Mm-hmm. I thank my body for getting it through life. And in return, I have to take care of my body. I have to like feed it what it wants. I have to feed it which in diet culture oftentimes is not a thing like mm-hmm. you were so restricted sometimes like I tried intermittent fasting and then I realized that I was just starving myself yep. half right. the day and yep. not actually properly doing it right I'm like so that's not beneficial <laughs> right um and like making sure that I'm eating and not just drinking coffee till 7 p.m like it's still a struggle but it's one of those things because I, my body takes care of me and allows me to do what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, and my body is very capable. It can go swimming across the lake. It can do lake workouts. Like it can do so many things. It can twerk at a broad boy, like at a Planned Parenthood thing. Like (laughs) it does so much for me. So I have to take care of it as well. Um, and I think that was a big turning point is like, changing my inner self-talk and how I viewed myself. Like, mm-hmm. even if I don't like how I look, I'm going to do something to take care of my body. I'm right. going to do a face mask. I'm going to do something. Yeah. Because oftentimes it's not how I actually feel about my body. Right. Yeah. That, that is such an important, like, um, perspective, I think, because a, a lot of times like what you're describing is like you're working with your body you're partnering with your body mm-hmm. I'm having a relationship, you have a relationship with my body with your body mm-hmm. and so often it's always about um fighting your body restricting your body hating your body so like yeah when you're talking about doing things to take care of it I think a lot of times um in our society what that means is like eat healthy exercise and Which don't have sandwiches after 8 p.m or whatever like so uh, if like I want to have gummy bears at 3 a.m when I wake up in the middle of the night I'm going to eat those gummy right, bears because right. you know what it's going to emotionally and mentally satisfy what I'm needing in that moment and your if body needs eat a that too, right yeah for dinner I'm going to eat what I want for dinner because mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. diet culture and purity culture restricting myself only harmed myself yeah and so by by restricting the things I enjoy like food and going out to dinner with friends and like being in community which obviously pandemic sucks but right like doing those things because I enjoy them really changed that I was allowed to let myself enjoy and do what I want and not restrict myself in those things because I used to go out to dinner and only order a salad because I wanted to eat healthy, right? To be and when I'm looking at all of my friends eating mac and cheese and burgers and all of these things, where I'm like, no, I can't eat that because I need to lose weight. No, well, and I think that even sometimes when we go out to eat too, because I know I did this back in the day, that sometimes ordering in a group of friends can also be sort of performative. Yep. Like, oh yeah, I was always expected to order the healthy meal when I was out because I was the trainer, and or yep. at least that's how I felt. And yep. so sometimes. I wouldn't even order what I actually wanted. Yeah. And because I was like, I have to like perform these healthy habits yep. for people around me. 
and which is not taking care of your mental no, health or which is really my body yeah it's like if my body is craving something I probably really like need it for some reason yeah like, and and you can't separate your mental and emotion or and physical health really yeah because um, they are completely <laughs> intertwined the way your mental health is is going to affect the way your body is the mm-hmm. way your body is functioning is going to affect your mental health like mm-hmm. it all goes into one circle mm-hmm. yeah and when you're not restricting like that you end up like you end like the studies show you end up eating like more variety of foods yep. you actually end up long-term eating more fruits and vegetables because your body actually craves them but like yeah because there's days I where would, i'll be like oh i haven't had a salad in like a week i want like a really hearty yeah delicious salad Mm-hmm. before I never craved salad because oh, I yeah. forced myself to eat it seven days a week right, right. Three meal, like two meals a day and then eggs for breakfast like yep. I had a very strict and like I love pasta pasta is like I right. take all of it <laughs> and I would refuse myself pasta when it made me happy right like and your brain probably needed those carbs yep right. like our bodies need carbs <laughs> your body <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and when I was going through my tubal journey, I was told I had low cholesterol by my doctor and that I needed to eat more avocado, like avocados and egg yolks. And I was like, what do you mean I have low, like I'm, I'm technically mm-hmm. obese according to the BMI. Like, what are you right. talking about? Like, I never even thought that could be an issue for me because mm-hmm. I've always been told, oh, you're a little bigger, you're unhealthy. When uh-huh. all of my blood work and labs, other than slightly low cholesterol, came back perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, my body is healthy. Yeah. And, like, yep. accepting that was, like, oh. Like, mm-hmm. that also this year kind of changed, like, my views on my body. I'm, like, oh, no, like, my body is great. Like, mm-hmm. it is doing what it needs to be doing. And, yep. like, it's the size it's supposed to be. I heard a quote the other day that, like, if you have to diet and exercise five days a week or six days a week to stay at your size that's not the size your body's supposed to be at yes hallelujah yes like i never thought about it that way like yeah. if you're struggling to stay at the size you are like I understand people who do bodybuilding shows and like that's the way they take care of themselves and they enjoy doing that performative thing. But mm-hmm. oftentimes if you see the people, like there's a couple that I follow, they eat whatever they want. They just restrict themselves for a short amount of time to reach a goal, mm-hmm. which I think depending on mentally could still be damaging. But yeah. a lot of bodybuilders I know are effed up over food and right. Oh, yeah. which, <laughs> but yeah, like, I probably also follow like like one of the ones I follow is a dad and a recovered addict. So uh-huh. like he'll yeah. just shred down for three months, do a bodybuilding show, and then just then eat whatever he wants and just maintain his workouts. Mm-hmm. And so like being able to see people who are that fit do things where they're like, no, like I'm not going to restrict myself unless I'm training for a show. Just kind of like if you're training right. for a marathon, obviously you're not going to be eating hamburgers right before a marathon. <laughs> right. Like well, you don't want to yeah. eat a greasy stomach or like there's certain sure. things you do to train for specific events. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like running six miles a day. You're not going to do that if you're not training for a race, most likely, unless you enjoy running. 
Right. I'm not one of those people. If you see me run, you should be running too. Something is chasing me. Right. <laughs> like, right. I don't run. That sounds like torture to me, but there are people who enjoy it. But also like if I was training for a marathon, I would be running every day, even though that's not something that we typically do. Right. Yep. I, I hear you. Yeah. This is one of our um, favorite questions to ask okay. people. Actually, we have two favorite questions. There's another one. I'll let you ask the other one. But if you could put anything on a billboard what would it be probably just sex isn't shameful just because those words like I had to repeat those words to myself so many times Mm -hmm. um just because of like my journey like once I like was like okay well sex and love aren't the same thing I went overboard and I was just like hookups like yeah (laughs) like I didn't care anymore and that wasn't healthy to myself either that wasn't being authentic to who I am or what I wanted and so really like then I'd get feelings of shame and guilt because I was going from one extreme to another Mm -hmm. and so like I would have to tell myself well this isn't shameful so but also I still wasn't being true to myself. So like there was more issues, but like, I just would keep repeating when I felt shame about it. I was like, well, this isn't shameful. It doesn't have to be shameful yes. because I no longer believe the shame that was taught to me about this subject. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so that's probably what I would put on. I like it. Let's buy a billboard. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, okay. And so then the second favorite question is if you could go back in time and tell your younger self anything, what would you tell her? Think for yourself. Think for yourself and listen to yourself. Because no matter how much you are taught purity culture or whatever, if you, there are always going to be thoughts that come up in your mind that are like, is this, is this really what I believe? And believing in yourself and believing those will make a world of difference and even to this day like believing in yourself is going to be the hardest thing you ever do and believing yourself and the way you speak to yourself once you fix how you speak to yourself after purity culture um like listen to intrinsically what you think it feels yeah because I really think that every single one of us has that voice inside of us that knows we're worthy that knows that we have this intrinsic worth and then it gets like beaten out of us by culture yeah and and so when we can like come back to listen to that voice that's where I think so much growth can happen Mm -hmm. um but it is a process depending upon how long you've spent especially like as women or feminine people in Christianity like Mm -hmm. we're often told we're not worthy if we do certain things Mm -hmm. we're not allowed to be loud we're not allowed to be big spirited people we're not Mm -hmm. allowed to do a lot of things and so like I'm a loud person I'm very loud I'm sorry for your energy Jill (laughs) (laughs) I think it's gonna be good okay (laughs) but I'm loud and I know I'm not for everyone and I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. like I am very okay that I'm not gonna be everyone's cup of tea right and that's okay with me because some boring person who never laughs is not my cup of tea right like (laughs) yes like there are lots of people that are not my cup of tea right Um, so I don't get offended when I'm not someone's cup of tea yeah um and really like listening to who I am authentically and being 
fearlessly myself authentically mm-hmm. is something that is a constant journey and will continue to be a constant journey through life as society changes and all of these things and you battle with those inner feelings mm-hmm. or things you were taught as a child and that re-come up even though you're like I thought I was fine like it'll still come up even if you healed through it yeah. because our brains are assholes yeah <laughs> yes. yeah every time I think I'm through something it'll like pop yeah. back up and I'm like okay lean into it let's work on this again and then yep. it'll and then I it, you know but I do and I think that like for me, it's also surrounding myself with people who are fear, fearlessly themselves because yeah. that is how, you know, like that's something that is important to me for myself. And so yeah. to see um, so my friends and family emulate that is. Yeah. Really well, and also like growing up, I was never supposed to basically like be extroverted. I was always, and like, I was never supposed to fix any problems. You're just supposed to like shove them down and God will take care of them, push them away. Like, yep. (laughs) And so like learning how to like actually have emotions and work through them was a whole process. Mm -hmm. And there's a continual process because like there's things that stem from like my abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. knowing where my partner's phone and wallet is because my ex used to yell at me if I didn't know where his stuff was even though I didn't I wasn't mine why would I know where your stuff is but now because that was something if I see something my brain automatically is like oh it's right there just remember it's right there (laughs) which honestly is helpful because I forget where I put things (laughs) but like understanding that like it's okay if I don't know where it is and he right. asks me. Like, it's not your responsibility. It's not my responsibility anymore yeah. and that's okay. And like learning through like those things and healing constantly. And healing is going to be a constant journey. You're going to mm-hmm. have bad days and that's okay. But it's what you choose to do on those bad days that's going to make the difference. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to have emotions that you don't feel like are yours or you don't enjoy having. It's how you react and push through those mm-hmm. and work on it. Yes. Yeah, love it. Love, love it. love it. This has been really, really fun. Um, so if somebody wanted to work with you, how yeah. would they get a hold of you? So I have Instagram and my website, um, also a Facebook page. It's Thurston for Adventure. Um, and then Twitter, I don't really use, but it's just Thurston for uh, because they don't didn't allow my full tag. Um, but my website is just thurstonforadventure.com. Um, I'm really, I'm mostly active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my Instagram, there's a links page that's on my direct website mm-hmm. and it has like work with me, my special offers, blogs that I've written, um, all, and I have all of my like travel blogs from when I was in Germany on there too, because I just switched everything over sure. and didn't go through and delete it. But so I have all of that and you can click the link to fill out a form to work with me. Um, and then in October, I'm running a specialized uh, workshop that's going to be a group. Oh, so, yeah, it's going to be a self-empowerment and embodiment eight-week course. Oh, oh very cool. Well, yeah. I'll have to definitely look into that. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for yeah, coming on. You. I always love talking with you. And yeah, uh, let yeah. me know when you find that goodie box because... Uh, <laughs> 
I know exactly where it is. I just have to go through it. I don't know what's in it anymore. <laughs> so fun. That's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button, give us a review. The more subscriptions that we get, the more visibility that we get, and the more easily we can find listeners just like you. Also, consider becoming a Push patron. Go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash pushfitness to show us some love there. Check out our membership levels and all the free things involved in that, and we would love for your love there. That's it. Bye. 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 Bye.